Welcome to the Social Fishing Podcast. My name is Reese Creed. I'm a passionate angler and I want to share as much as I can about the sport we all love. On this podcast, we speak to incredible anglers, sharing a wealth of priceless knowledge, all to help you reach your fishing dreams. Thanks for joining us today. Now let's begin. G'day guys and welcome back to another episode of the Social Fishing Podcast. Now, this is episode 22 and I'm going to be talking to you about a few tips for fishing over the summer months. So, we're right in the middle of summer and there is so much happening in the freshwater, so many different types and styles of fishing that you can be doing. So, I'm going to be touching on that but first of all, I just want to say welcome back, uh, welcome to another year. We're in 2020, another episode of the podcast. Uh, We had a bit of a break over the Christmas time but we are right back into it now for 2020. It's crazy. We've got a new decade and it's going to be super exciting. Now, first of all, I just want to do mention is uh, the fires are really, really bad um, and it almost feels funny talking about fishing when really we're all kind of, there's a lot worse going on and and the fires are just absolutely devastating and you, you just, it breaks your heart to see what happens and how quick a fire travels. There was a fire not far from me uh, and it sort of was there for two, three, four days and and overnight, one night, uh, I think it was the night before last, all of yesterday with terrible winds, it just blew up and just tore through forests, paddocks, right into national parks and, and it's just gone wild. It's the fire, the Duns Road fire that's gone right through, you know, towards Tumbrumba over Paddy's River, right through and cut through over like 60,000 hectares and also there's the one south of that which is the one at Walwa and Gingelic which is cut through and it's almost hit Kosciuszko. It's in the national park now. It's almost at the mountain and if that fire hits that, it will devastate the, the Alpine region. So that Alpine ecosystem cannot handle fires at all it will not rejuvenate like these lower flat areas which will come back but it's just it's incredible to see something like that happen just absolutely devastating and hopefully everything's all right i just i just feel for the wildlife that's out there and even some of our waterways our small streams the trout will probably die from the ash which will deoxygenate the water uh, fingers crossed they can seek different areas and get away from it but there's also the fires down the south coast which are even worse than the ones up here the whole like this whole state is just covered in smoke um today i can barely see 30, 40 metres out the front of the house, like there's trees that are 40 metres away which had disappeared just based on that smoke. Yesterday it was right with the wind, but the wind was helping the fire. Now that wind's gone, the smoke has settled. Anyway, um, that's just what's happening and my thoughts and prayers go out to everyone who's been affected by the fire and I hope everyone stays safe. So that's all happening at the moment. I just wanted to acknowledge that the fires are happening and that people are going through tough times. But for those of you who are keen to hear and talk about or listen to me talk about a bit of fish and stuff. This is back to the podcast and that's what we do and that's what you're going to be listening to in this episode. We're going to kick off 2020 with a bang with this episode. Now, what I want to do first is I want to touch on our listener questions. Now, it's been a while and I want to thank everyone who has submitted listener questions to the podcast and I love reading them out and answering them for you. Now, we have quite a few So I'm going to run through them uh, and basically answer those questions. So for those of you who have submitted and been waiting, you know, two, three, four weeks, I think, 
here. They all are. I've got a handful here to answer. Now, I'm going to get straight into them. The first one here is from Bill. Now, Bill has asked what are the best lures to use in the Murrumbidgee River and specifically around Jigyong. Now, the lures you'd use in that specific part of the Bidgee would be the same lures I'd use pretty much throughout the whole Bidgee between Burrenjuk and where it basically meets the Murray River uh, because it's basically similar. You've got willows, slower moving water, irrigation water when it's high, so it flows really fast when it's high, slower moving when it's low, just you sort of you clay banks, plenty of timber, big log structure, things like that. Compared to the Bidgee that's between Burrenjuk uh, and upstream, it's a lot more bouldery through Canberra and Gorgie, different lures you'd use there to the lures that you'd use further down. Now for those of you who don't fish the Bidgee, you might fish say the Wakul or the Goulburn or majority of your native waterways, I would use the same lures that I'm about to touch on. Now, the key, there's three key lures you'd use. Spinnerbait's my go-to. It always has been. Now, spinnerbait, a 5.8 ounce with just a standard Colorado blade, two blades on it. You usually come with a small one and that larger one, which is normally a size 6. That's my go-to. You can cast it in against structure, allow it to sink, roll it through. It just works. Snag resistant Absolutely unbelievable lure. I like to have a soft plastic tail on them. And in terms of colors, I prefer the darker colors or the natural colors. But then again, I use a color that's purple with a chartreuse tip, hot tip. Love it with the golden perch. And then also I use whites as well. But if you're just getting into it, get a, a darker color with maybe a bit of purple in it, a bit of black. Um, they will always work well. I also like a white and purple. You know, anything white as well really stands out. Now, why spinnerbait? You can fish bankside structure with a spinnerbait. You can cast it into the shadows, into those still pockets, right in against logs that are sitting against the bank, and you can allow them to sink into the strike zone, which is absolutely critical. On the other hand, um, the other lure you would use is a hard body. Now, a hard body works better for fishing structure underneath the water, bouncing it over logs that are all the way back, and also trolling. Now, I would use a hard body a lot more when the river's lower and you can fish it right the way out, whereas a spinnerbait I'd use a lot more when it's higher, when the water's a lot higher and you're only fishing bankside structure and the structure out in the middle is way too deep and under fast water. So they're the two different lures, the main two lures I'd use. Now, if you're keen on like wondering what lures are the best lures to use, if you want to learn more, I highly recommend you jump on our website and check out the free freshwater mini series. It's a totally free series. Check out the Murray Cod part and watch through there. You'll see about halfway through, there's a segment where we talk about spinnerbaits versus hard bodies, why we use one and why we use the other. That's basically what I just touched on there, but in a lot more detail. And then I use a diagram and I show you how to actually fish and how to use those lures to fish the structure correctly. It's more about using the right type of lure for the waterway you're fishing. But the Murrumbidgee River, the two lures, hard body spinnerbaits. With a hard body, about that 60, 80, 90, maybe to 100 mil would be the best. Something that dives between 20 to 30 feet. Uh, if it's a lot shallower, you want to look for that, probably that 18 to 24 foot diving bib uh, because you still want it to crash dive. But if you're fishing deeper pools, you know, two meters or deeper, you can easily get up to like a 30 foot bib. Like say, for example, on the 70 mil AC Invader, it comes with a 30 foot bib. Great for diving into those deeper pockets. They're good hard bodies. The Ballista Dino 90, great diving lure. The Strike Force 80 mil Cod Stalkers, another great diving lure. There's plenty of good diving lures out there. Now, the other one, 
uh, that you can use is a uh, surface lure. Surface lures work really well in the Bidgee chasing cod low light periods, especially now, summer and through to autumn. The fish are active, they're feeding hard. Surface lures work really well. Paddlers are my go-to up to about that 120 mil mark. They'd be the go-to lures. So I hope that answers your question, Bill. Next question we have is from Dan. Now, Dan has asked, when fishing with hard bodies in rivers, what role does the current play? Do you cast upstream and retrieve in the direction of flow as the fish can be waiting for current to bring food to them? Are there times when you retrieve against the flow or if it's across the flow, is it more about lure placement, e.g., on the upstream side of the structure, allowing the lure to drift with the flow in closer to the snag. And then he's also added a comment, keep up the great work, loving the podcast. Thank you, Dan, for that comment. Love to hear messages like that. But back to your question. Very, very good question, mate. I really love it. And this is a great question for anyone listening to for me to explain. Now, it, you've kind of you've gone right into detail, and it's great. So when so I'll read it again. When fishing with hard bodies in a river, what role does the current play? The current plays a massive role, a huge role in how you fish the river. Not only with hard bodies, but also with spinnerbaits. It's it's about how you present your lure. The current you have to understand and basically read it properly. Now you've got. I'll break it up. There's there's fast current, there's slow current, and then there's like no current. They're kind of three that I'll touch on. And obviously, there's a there's in between fast and slow, and that's where you kind of just adjust what I'm saying. You, it'll make sense as I explain. But when you've got fast current, where you place the lure is critical. Basically, you want the lure to get as close to the structure as you can. And if you've got really fast current, you want to cast it upstream of the structure and past it. So that by the time you wind your lure down to the depth, the current has pushed it in against the log. When you've got zero flow... You can cast onto that log and crank it down because the current's not doing anything. So it's all about getting the lure right in the zone. If you were to cast on the log when there's current, you do two cranks and the current's going to jam it up against the log and you'll snag. So it's very key. So the next the next thing Dan's written here is do you cast upstream and retrieve in the direction of flow as the fish can be waiting in the current to bring them food? Um, good question. Depending on how much current there is. If there's a lot of fast current and you're fishing on the bank, I recommend or I I would say I'm against doing that because you're going to snag a lot because current loves to jam your lures up against the structure and snag them way worse than they need to be pretty much. So if you're on the bank and you're bank walking, a rule of thumb is to cast straight ahead or downstream. And this is purely because you're going to lose too many lures if you cast upstream. We do cast upstream sometimes because it's just a nice looking log and you're like, yeah, I've got to get a cast in there and it's the only angle you can get at. And we do it. And if you do it here and there, it's all right as long as you really have real light on your rod tip and, and you flick it and you just be real careful but we still lose lures doing that we much prefer to cast straight out or down now this goes the same for in a boat but in a boat you can go get it so in a boat we do cast upstream but majority of the time Dan we cast straight in and also yeah it's, it's hard it's a hard question to explain and, and in in a simple answer, it's cast anywhere. There's no actual rule. If you do cast it upstream and wind it down, it is well presented to a fish. So as you said, um, is that a good cast because as the fish can be waiting in the current, 
for the current to bring them food and it's yes exactly right so the fish if you can cast upstream and wind it down and you're happy to you might snag but if you're in a boat you can go get it the fish are expecting things to come down the current so they will hit them hard the only thing is is you don't have much control over your lure when you're casting up into the current unless it's slow when it's moving slower you can pretty well cast anywhere and then it's a good cast but I'm thinking if you've got quite a bit of flow you can't pause the lure and allow it to sink because the current's just going to keep it coming at you and you're going to have slack line so casting upstream I don't do a whole heap when the river is really flowing and I prefer to cast straight into the structure so straight in up and down a little bit like diagonally a tiny bit but not a massive amount I like to cast directly in against the structure and wind it out and then also, probably more so than casting up is what you've said in this other part where you said, um, are there times where you retrieve against the flow? So that's casting down and bringing back up. Yes, we do that as well. Um, and yes, that works well because you can actually control your lure a lot better. Uh, and if you pause it, you know, it'll sink. You can slow the retrieve down and you've still got current going against you. So we probably do that more. It's probably not as natural for the fish because the food's sort of going upstream away from them. But if you fish it nice and slow and get it through the timber, they'll still eat it. You're still actually going to have a better chance of catching them that way, being able to control your lure, rather than bringing it down with the current and not being able to control it properly. I hope that it makes sense. Um, Now, the last thing you've mentioned here is, or if it's across the flow, is it more about lure placement, e.g. on the upstream side of the structure, allowing it to drift in closer to the snag that's probably the key out of the whole lot that's what i do most of the time is we fish because what i do is when we've got a river with flow i normally go from upstream to downstream so i float down the river now I float down the river one because it's a lot easier on your battery and your electric motor and it's a lot quicker because if you go upstream it takes you longer so i actually cover more water by floating down but you also putting your casts on the upstream side of the log first rather than the back of it. Now, the reason you do that is because most of the fish will be facing upstream. Now, when they're facing upstream with a spinnerbait, you can cast into the front of that log, allow it to sink and bang, they smack it. But you're talking about hard bodies here. So with a hard body, you can do the same thing and it's as if it's swimming away from them, they will still eat it. And the reason I prefer to do that and sort of sit out off the log, say our log's coming out off the bank, cast in and run it right along the length of the log. So it's not actually swimming up or down, it's sort of swimming straight across the current is because you can cover the whole log there and it sweeps right across the front and that's the direction they're facing. And then you fish the front first because then you go around the back and then you do fish the back. And when you fish the back, you are casting upstream. But... You don't fish the back first because some fish on, say, a small bit of a small structure might be looking up. And by casting in behind them, you might the line might touch their tail and you might spook them. Some of them do face downstream. Some of them might be sitting on a log below that main log. They could be sitting anywhere, so I still fish the back, especially if it's key, nice, slow pocket. But fish the front first. Now, I hope that makes sense. If it doesn't or if you want to know more, we cover this in extreme detail in the complete guide series the lure fishing for murray cod and golden perch in rivers 
there's a part in there, one of the casting parts, where we go right in depth about retrieve patterns in current with spinnerbaits, hard bodies, upstream, downstream, across the current. We go basically this whole question we answer in that series. So if you want to see the demonstrations on how we do it, go check that out. Or you can even just go have a look at the free freshwater mini series. It doesn't go into as much depth about that, but it does have how to cast your lure correctly depending on the flow. So go have a look at them. Great question, Dan. Loved it. Now, the next question we have is from Jackson Taylor. Now, Jackson says, Hi, I'm a very keen cod fisho and love your site, store, tutorials, and a whole lot and have taught me a ton. Thanks, Jackson. I'm glad that you love the site and that it teaches you heaps. That's the whole point of it. Now, Jackson's question is, if you were heading out cod fishing the week after New Year's for five days, where would you go for the best chance of numbers of fish? Blair and Cope, the Mawala Murray, Bidgee. Where would you go as I'm heading out to chase some cod for a week? Love your podcast. Keep up the awesome content. Now, Jackson, first of all, I just want to apologize and say I'm sorry that this episode didn't come out before your trip because it's now the very start of 2020. So I'm guessing you're already on your trip. So I hope you picked a good spot and you're catching fish. So I do want to apologize. But for say if you're going to go out another time or if anyone else is going to head out um, over summer, Basically, this whole episode is on fishing in summer, so I am going to touch on quite a few locations, but just to touch on your question real quickly, mate, uh, Blaring, Copeton, Mawala, Murray, Bidgee, they'd all be good spots to fish. Any of the major impoundments are going to be good, but you just want to focus on the low light periods, uh, Copeton, Blaring, Eildon would be a good place to visit, and you can fish there all day because you've got plenty of structure you can cast to. I only went to Mawala not that long ago, a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to touch on Mawala later on in this podcast, and the fishing was really good. Same goes the Murray and the Bidgee. The Murray, be careful with popular areas because there'll be people, water skiing, water sports, and you really want to get away from that. The Bidgee's small enough that you don't have that, so the Bidgee would be a great place to visit. Mate, um, once again, I'm sorry I didn't get to your question earlier, and I hope you are off fishing somewhere and catching plenty of fish. So thanks for your question, Jackson. Now, the next question is from Dylan Turner from Tenterfield in New South Wales. Thanks for your question, mate. And it is, what is your preferred method of targeting golden perch in dams and lakes in low light periods? Now, that's a good question because it's not a very popular or common style of fishing. Now, going back quite a while, it used to be a popular technique or a common technique that we used to use in blaring quite a lot, uh, fishing in the dark for golden perch. Now, if you're fishing low light periods, so early morning, late afternoon, I'd be casting close to the edge. The goldens move right up into the edge come sunset, especially late spring. It's summer now, not so much, but through spring they do. So you're fishing the edge with casting plastics, lipless crankbaits, blades, things like that into the shallows. Now that we've got summer, um, low light periods and in the dark, what I'd be doing is I'd be trolling. Trolling works really well in places like Burrenjuck and Blaring. I've had good success trolling small hard body lures all throughout the night through schools of golden perch and having great, great fun. Blaring, it wasn't uncommon to get 10 fish a night, you know, between sunset and 11, 12 o'clock if you trolled over the right rocky points and things like that. And Burrenjuck, same thing. You troll through around the trees, along the rocky banks. We've we've been up there trolling for big cod with 150mm AC invaders and we've caught like five golden perch right on dark and just after dark, smacking those hard bodies. They basically will want to have a crack at anything. So I'd be trolling 50 to maybe 70 mil hard bodies. There's a couple of hard bodies I use that are really slim and then 90 mil, you know, they'll hit them too. But, you know, 
like a 70 mil AC invader in a 30 foot bib, perfect lure for trolling for golden. So I'd be trolling in the low light periods. That is a great question, mate, and I hope that helps answer your question. Now, the last listener question here is from Jack. Now, Jack is from Burra, and he has asked, Hey, mate, I've been fishing Wyangala Dam for a fair bit, and I'm struggling to catch fish. Any tips for fishing Wyangala? Now, it's a great question, and you can learn as much as you can about catching fish, but when it comes to a specific waterway, they can be different. They can act different. You might not know where to go, what techniques to use. Now, Wyangala Dam, I haven't actually fished it myself, so it wouldn't be honest and truthful of myself to give you, you know, opinions of, of how to catch fish in Wyangala Dam because I've never been there before, but I, th- I thought there's not a better idea than to jump on and get uh, Murray to tune in with us. Now, I have Murray uh, on the podcast just now to answer this question for you, mate, because Murray is a local uh, and he fishes it quite a lot. Murray, Stuart, mate, uh, you there? Yeah, mate, I'm here. I'm all good. Yeah, mate. Thanks for joining me. Thank you very much. Now, Wyangla, you fish it a bit, don't you? Yeah, do do quite a few trips each year. Um, majority sort of between spring and autumn. Um, we do do a bit in winter out there, but the, the nights are pretty cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, obviously, there's fish in there and there's fish to be caught. Now, for, for Jack asking this question, he's struggling to catch fish. What tips would you have for someone who, who's fished it a few times but just, just can't nail it? Is there any specific techniques or areas or, or styles of fishing that stand out at Wyangla? Um, it, it all depends on the species you, you, like, you're targeting. So, if, if I were to go out there this time of year and be deliberately targeting Murray Cod, I would be only targeting the um, prime bite periods, so overnight, early morning, late afternoon. Um, avoid avoid the skiers and the boaters if you can. Um, try and find yeah. a bit of quiet water. Um, don't necessarily look for the most structure-loaded bit of bank. There's um, You will come across quite a few fish on those banks that just look like they've got nothing on them. Um, okay. Oh, for sure, for sure. They... Generally on those banks, I'll correlate to the thermocline, which around this time of year is between 25 and 30 feet. And the thermocline is, is, is pretty much just a rapid change in temperature in the water column. And yeah. right on that, on that line, you can actually pick it up on, on sounder screens, on, like on the sounder. And when you pick that up, it'll just be a consistent line around that one depth and it changes with the water temperature. But that specific water temperature change in that area has got all these little microscopic organisms and stuff dwelling there. So it's just a huge food chain like happening in that one depth. And so during summer, during the middle of the day when all the boats are out and about, that that's the depth you want to be fishing in. You want to be trolling big hard bodies at right at that depth, around that depth the whole time. Or even if you're casting, you want to be fishing those sort of areas in like your low light period, so your late afternoon and your early morning. Yeah, right. So you're getting the lure down a, a bit, and it's not it's not just because the water's super hot at the top. It's because there's food down there. So that would be for cod and goldens fishing that depth at this time of year. Definitely, definitely with both of them. Um, goldens in Wyangla are not something I've spent a whole lot of time chasing. I've more been fixated on the cod, but I have had a few sessions out there where just your normal. Uh, gulp grubs and up in in the trees just slow rolling them straight up it's the most consistent way all year round any impoundment to catch golden perch yeah okay right so then on the cod scene uh you're looking at 
pretty much low light periods and in the dark and you're not necessarily just fishing those rocky banks, heaps of structure. Obviously, those banks do hold them as well. Yep. Um, those, those big rocky banks and like all of the, the timber and log piles and stuff that are in it, they will all hold fish. But thing is, because Wyangler is such a popular location, those areas get absolutely flogged by fishermen. So you're better right. off in some cases putting in the time and finding a few isolated bits of structure around that thermocline, which I spoke about earlier, and deliberately targeting those areas because those fish on those bits of structure haven't been targeted and haven't seen as many lures right so those that area around the thermocline are you looking at see i've never been to wyangler but i imagine it's quite it's got quite steep banks but are you fishing that thermocline in against a relatively steep bank whether it's rocky or just just nothing or are you looking at like the flatter ones so you could be basically like you know 50 meters from the edge does that make sense like what kind of bank do you fish both of those styles of bank or it doesn't matter yep it to be honest it, it doesn't really matter as long as you, you like your target area is where that thermocline will then meet the like the descending bank into the water so if, yep. if the thermocline's at 25 feet like you can connect the dots and that thermocline will meet the bank at 25 feet down and so you want to be targeting around that area so within five to ten feet of it um either side of it the cod will live under the thermocline in the thermocline above the thermocline they'll they're comfortable there they're designed to be apex predators there they live there that's their habitat yeah right okay so would you say summer is the best time to fish wyangler apart from chasing big giant cod in winter if you just want to go there and catch a fish is summer the go to or are we better off fishing through that autumn and sort of that april period yep um i would say early summer is definitely the best for chasing like an, like numbers of fish. Um, yeah. Might not necessarily get the size that you you sort of dream of, um, but then as you get into um, sort of late late summer, early autumn, mid autumn, the goldens sort of pick up a bit, and you can get a pretty good edge bite happening with the goldens, um, mm-hmm. and they they sort of pick up, and the cod obviously they follow them. You've got a better chance of picking up monster Murray cod. As the water temps start to cool down, they, um, they they seem to cope with the water water temperature changing a bit better than the smaller natives. So you'll quite often pick up bigger fish around those goldens um, when they start to become more active and push up on the edge. Yeah, okay. And if you're um, obviously you can chase if you're fishing in winter, you're going to use those big big lures. But say you're fishing through spring and autumn, if you were to troll, what are some of the lures that you would troll with? Um, and if you were to cast, what are some of the lures you would cast with? Yep. So start with casting is primarily what I sort of do out there. Um, casting wise, you like you can't go wrong with just a, like big spinner baits and just big quad blade Colorado spinner baits. Like they, it doesn't it doesn't phase me on brand. Um, it's just got to be big in their face and like make its presence known because the water quality in Wang there isn't the best. Um, your flat stick getting clarity down to two and a half, three feet. Um, just that's due to the large carp populations in there. Um, so throwing throwing big spinner baits in amongst the like the big rocky outcrops and timber like timber banks and stuff, as well as chatter baits and big soft plastics as well. Um, and then e- even casting deep diving hard bodies is just just as good in the right areas. Um, when it comes to trolling, you'd probably want to look at something like the um, Ballista Dino 90s. They're, uh, they're pretty hard to go by out there. Um, 
just just because they 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 troll at the right depth they get get right down there and they're a big presentation um even even other lures such as like smaller presentations better for goldens and that probably something like the viking talismans they dive down to about 20 feet um uh, the AC Invaders, they're pretty hard to go past out there as well. They're pretty fail safe, to be honest. Um, yeah. yeah, you'll pick up a lot of fish trolling, like you cover a lot of water. So Yeah, cool. Awesome, awesome. That should be plenty of good tips for Jack, I hope, uh, and hopefully he gets a bit out of that and can go catch you know, his first fish from Wangler. Um, those key periods, obviously, as you said, low light is important, but the thing I took away from that the most is not just going to the best-looking bank straight up and obviously having a sounder that can find sort of structure down deep around the thermocline and and you would agree they're that they're the key takeaways oh definitely definitely low light periods and yeah don't discount the, the the little guy and definitely have a look at those barren banks sometimes yeah yeah cool cool now thanks for that mate now while i've got you on just for this episode that's the end of the listener questions but while murray's still here um mate i just want to talk uh, to you about your recent uh, trips because this episode is all about tips for fishing over summer. So I'm going to give a fair few tips um, later on in the episode about fishing over summer and different techniques you can use. Now, what have you been up to of late? What styles of fishing have you been doing and what have you been getting up to? Um, so obviously the big hype around this time of year is Murray Cod season, but like up my up in my general area, it's um, there's a few other target species you can get amongst. So obviously you've got the the goldens up at Windermere Dam through spring, um, spring and summer they they go off their head the majority of the time. Um, yeah, and then we've got a couple of small impoundments full of um, Australian bass down here, and it's it's starting to become a bit more bit more popular amongst bass anglers. But um, yeah, I've been doing a few sessions out there, and yeah, getting amongst five six good fish just bank sessions every afternoon, which is pretty awesome. And then chasing bass, yeah, chasing bass, just slow yeah. rolling lures off the bank, fishing in amongst structure. And... Yeah, nice, nice. So, and there, so if you're chasing bass in an impoundment, um, some tips for people over summer that, that top water in low light periods, yeah, oh, 100%. 100%. So, what size lures are we using? Oh, don't be afraid to throw something a little bigger, like, um, oh, like up to 60 mil or even bigger, yeah. Yeah, 60, 70, even 80 mil sometimes. Wow. Um, bass can be very aggressive yep. um, in the right circumstances. Um, definitely, especially up, up my way, it's, it's a big deal about these fish that I've noticed that they're very, very weather orientated. So right. uh, like places in Glenbourne and St. Clair and all those other big bass impoundments, you can sort of catch them in the, like almost all weather systems regardless um yeah in in my local area it's it's kind of tough because you have to you have to be fishing in the oh, how do i put it the, like the right weather system so I'm, I'm always watching for a, like a rising rising barometric pressure um or some sort of major weather event whether it's like an east coast low or like a thunderstorm or something those those seem to trigger a, a bite period where you can sort of crack a couple of fish really quickly yeah right so that's key is like that that stormy weather that change that that sharp movement in barometer yep 100 percent very similar to cod then isn't it like cod you'll still get them when it's not doing a whole heap but they bite better when you have this this bit of a weather pattern so are you saying that's similar for bass or it's almost that you need to go at that time otherwise you won't catch them at all 
Um, it's not that you won't catch them at all. It's just that if you if you focus your like your fishing times around those bite periods, then like you've got more chance of coming across fish in a smaller period of time. Um, yeah, it's, it's better than going out and slogging yourself for twelve hours for three fish that come in the last fifteen minutes of fishing. Like yeah, if you if you do research on the weather patterns and you know when to hit the water, you can minimize your effort and maximize your rewards yeah totally totally yeah so do you want that to coincide with a sunrise or a sunset do you do you find sunset or rise one of them is better than the other or they're both just as good um they're both just as good with the right system i i like to focus a lot on the moonrise moonset sunrise sunset and steep rises and falls in the barometric pressure as well as major weather events right so you actually like it when the moon is coming up or going down is that what you're saying yeah, it, it's it's usually only probably a fifteen minute bite window um, on the moonrise and moonset. Um, yeah, like sometimes, yeah, sometimes you won't catch fish. That's just that's just fishing. But other times, like I've had sessions out there, well, like a moonrise where the moonrise coincided with a, a rising barometer, and it just went off its head. We had yeah, we had probably. 20 25 hits subsurface and surface in the space of an hour hour and a half yeah wow and was that was the moonrise in the dark or was the moonrise before sunset yeah it was about about 10 or 11 o'clock at night right okay yep yeah we'd, we'd fish pretty hard for probably only one one fish before then and then it all happened pretty quickly that's crazy that is crazy so are these tips all just for fishing in a lake system or do they sort of similar for creeks or creeks and rivers are different um i haven't done a whole lot in the way of bass fishing in rivers and creeks but right okay i I presume it i presume in in some areas it, it would probably be the same case but i've kind of guessing in rivers bass are probably more of an opportunistic feeder so if the food's there they're going to take it they don't know when the next bit of food's going to come around so right whereas in the dam because they've got so much water to sort of cover to eat your presentation they can they can easily just let it go because there's a lot of food in there so that's why you're really critical on when you go yep yeah exactly right yeah cool and you're based in like the the blue mountains region yep the central west new south wales um sort of yeah okay towards lithgow bathurst area yeah, nice, nice. So you've been catching a few bass. Um, oh, before we move on from bass, what are the top water? You mentioned the size of the top water lures. Are there any brands in specific that you use, and are they paddlers? Uh, yep. I uh, generally just go for paddlers. Like the um, the ballista hunchbacks work pretty well in the with the after dark light in them. Um, they they seem to they seem to do pretty well out out in the local local dam. Um, and then uh, just your normal, like your jitterbugs, your smaller smaller um, paddling jitterbugs are pretty good. Um, and also the or any any little poppers generally work pretty well. But you quite often pick up a few redfin on the poppers. So right, okay, yep, interesting. So all right, and then subsurface. What do you what do you use in the way of subsurface for bass? Uh, subsurface low light periods and stuff when I don't feel like. A surface bite's going to happen. I'll quite often throw suspending minnows, uh, yeah, just for that sort of more subtle off the bottom, away from structure kind of presentation. And um, they, they're quite good because you can just sit it in front of their face and they just can't resist it. So I'll quite often throw um, like a, a die or a double clutch or a um, jackal squirrel. Um, they're probably yep. the pick of the minnows that I'll use. Um, come 
Come daylight hours, it's starting to get a bit brighter. I'll quite often throw small spinner baits, um, jackal TN50s and 60s. Uh, yeah. And one thing that does work really well out there for the bigger fish is small chatterbaits. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so it's a fair feed for them, isn't it? Like a small chatterbait. And they go, and I know they go super hard. So you're obviously fishing tight in sticks and around structure. What setup do you use? What rod and reel setup and then your line class? Yeah. Uh, I like to walk a bit of a fine line with my bass fishing. I um, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't like to, to fish too heavy so as to land every fish that I catch. I like to have a bit of fun. Yeah. Um, so I'll, yeah. I'll quite often run uh, a one to three kilo spin stick, um, nice. either a 1,000 reel or a 2,500 reel, um, yep. between five and eight pound braid and – Generally, at most, I'll probably run 14-pound leader. Um, and, like, there's been sessions out there where I've seen people get dusted on 25, 30-pound leader and just had no chance of stopping the fish. That is crazy. Whereas what we were using at Windermere fours and six-pound leaders to chase yellows, which are five or six times the size of these bass in weight, and yet the bass go that hard that they you need 14-pound or more. That's insane. They must be so much fun. It's pretty hardcore. I know the old man's referred to it as like going a few rounds with Mike Tyson, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Oh, that's awesome fun. So that bass fishing in sort of the, – the bass live straight throughout the Great Dividing Range pretty much. So they will fish – they'll feed and be you'll be able to catch them right through summer? Yep, 100%, right the way through summer. As long as you're focusing on those uh, prime bite periods and low light levels, you're – you're always in with a good shot. Nice, nice. So, any other styles of fishing you've been doing? Have you chased cod at all lately? Definitely, definitely. Since um since the start of December, uh, I've well, I'll have to work it out, but I've probably done seven, eight, maybe nine trips. Wow, so you're putting in the effort though. You're putting in the effort. Put putting in a lot of hours, a lot of hours, um, a lot of lack of sleep. Um, mm getting out there and getting amongst it but it's paying off i mean the first the first trip opening weekend we landed like between the boat that i was in we landed uh two over a meter and one just under that's so good i remember you sending those photos through and you got two i couldn't believe you caught two yeah i think the boys were thinking i was putting one over them for a minute yeah but yeah yeah so first first weekend in we we caught yeah two over a meter, one just under, and then the following weekend we went out and we caught seven or eight cod and three over the meter. Yep. Wow. Wow. Three between how many of you? Three of you? Uh, between between two boats, but we had four people. Wow. And and did you get any of those out of the three? Yeah, I got a one ten that trip. Yeah, kidding. And then did. Uh, two other people get two separately so one person missed out uh yeah one mate missed out the poor bugger he's fished for three seasons and seen every one of my meter fish and he has not even landed one yet <laughs> poor bloke he's, he's heartbroken but he's trying. it'll come it'll come yeah so these fish like big fish aren't easy to catch and and you've started obviously you haven't had such a good successful opening or, or probably month ever what did you go out with a different approach this this summer did you use something different what what was your plan of attack you've obviously done something different to get these fish um i've, I've definitely changed i've changed the way i've fished 
like I've I've had a long time to think about it over springtime chasing other other natives to sort of wind down from the winter season, but I've come, yeah. I've come into this season thinking like I'm going to I'm going to chase them differently. I'm going to approach the way I fish for them differently. Think outside the box, and it's to the point where I'm keeping a diary on my um, cod fishing. So every mm-hmm. session I'll write down what times I caught fish, what times I got hits off fish, um, all of the weather patterns, every every little detail I can imagine I'm writing in this diary. And some of the entries, it might only be a, like a morning session, but it's a two-page entry, um, yeah. just information. Um, I've also done a lot in the way of tackle prep for each session. So like opening weekends are a perfect example of it. My cousin and I sat up. Um, in our swags, ready to go, like waiting for midnight. And um, we sat there and we did tackle prep for four and a half hours. Wow, that's crazy. Just sitting there and you'd finish one thing and you'd think, oh, that's enough time for bed. And then you'd look at your tackle box and go, hang on, I can add an assist hook to that or I can add trebles to that. It's good fun though, eh? It's good fun doing that, especially like if you were waiting until midnight. Like it's cool to just like really get in the zone. It obviously helped as well. Oh, it, it helped like nothing else. And it worked out The one of the modifications we made to our lures opening weekend actually landed us um, two of the three, or landed me two of my three-meter cod for two weeks was on this modification that we'd done. So what did you do? We actually, we rigged up, a couple of rather large soft plastics and attached a swing treble off the front the same way that the rest of the social fishing boys do with their um, Ignite Cod Furies. Uh, yeah. And then we had rigged the um, plastic with a chatterbait blade, but we'd fluffed around with it for a bit and rigged them differently to how other people would do it. And it actually made our um, chatterbait then swim differently. So yeah, right. uh, we're not sure whether it's the blade configuration or whether it's the way we've rigged them, but it actually dives the chatterbait and makes the, the nose of the chatterbait actually swing side to side like a diving lure. Wow. Yeah, right. Interesting. So it's totally different action. Yeah. So you've not only got the, the thump of the blade, you've got like the swing of the lure, like almost like a diving lure or a swim bait, and then the kick of the tail as well. Nice. That sounds really cool. Yeah, it's it's pretty pretty awesome. I've done nothing but uh, make them up. It takes 15 minutes and then you lose them after a couple of hours and then you've got to go and make more up. And... Yeah. But you reckon that, do you reckon that was the difference? Like um, obviously you've got these modified lures, the hookup rate's good and it's attracted the fish. Um, is That was obviously critical, but did you have a different approach at all? Right, not just your gear, did you do something different this summer? Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say I did too much different. I've probably just focused a lot more on those bite periods rather than just going, oh, look, are you free tonight? Let's go fishing. And I've gone, look, the weather's good on this night. Let's make it free and let's go. Yeah, so important. Yeah, so like I'm doing my research on the weather systems like a week and a week or two in advance watching it. So like just watching them like a hawk, just measuring everything. Yeah, and what do you look for? Um Definitely look. I look for those prime bite periods, like I talked with the bass, um, the ri- yeah. rising barometer, steep falling barometers, just major weather events. And if if one, two, or three of them coincide, um, it's just like it's a recipe for just big cod. Right, and and and, and it showed obviously. Yeah. Well, that the second weekend of cod season when we went out and we caught three over a meter between two boats, we had a steep rising barometer 
each morning, I think it was, each morning at between 4.30 and 5 o'clock in the morning, it was rising sharply. That's uh, prime, hey. Yeah. That is and prime. As well as that, we had the first morning, when I, I, I caught one the first morning, um, that first morning the moon set was 5.15 or 5.30. So it's, yep. it's sort of set at the top of that barometric pressure rise. Um, so we had three three parts of the recipe coincide in one hit and we caught one over a meter and one just under in the space of 25 minutes yeah that's crazy and you get the thing is though you've got to make the most of that half an hour as well like you have to be doing the right technique in the right spot and and sometimes you you get through that period i've done it before at player and you go they should have bit then like everything went well and you're like are we actually in the right spot at the right time? And sometimes it's a massive guess. But what bank did you did you look for? Did you did you look for bait prior? Did you why did you pick that spot that morning? Um, well, we'd actually we'd we'd had a bit of action there late in winter um, before season closed. I think it was the week before season closed. We side scanned quite a number of fish on this bank. Um, there was a lot of bait there, and just like. During spring and summer, we we sort of kept updated on the area, and um, there was still a lot of lot of bait there. A lot of smaller natives were hanging around, um, and it was just just prime. There's good structure there. It's a good run of bank. Like the area that we fished is probably a two kilometre stretch of bank, and you can just fish it the whole way and you're in the zone the entire way. Yeah, right. Is it steep, or what kind of bank? Is it a good bank with good structure, or is it just the bait? Um, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like a big bay, so it goes from steep drop-offs, weed beds, a um, couple of couple of rocky points, a big steep section. And I know there's a few laydowns on a big flat that's in there. Uh, yeah, it's just it's good. It's a good area for fish to sort of hang out in those low light periods, looking for food. Right. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And then, what depth did your fish come out of? Did they all come out of a similar depth, or or were they different depths? Um. The well, I'm trying to think. We had oh, we've come across too many fish so far. Um, <laughs> nice uh, problem to have. Oh, it's an awesome nice problem. problem. <laughs> I think we the low light period fish all come out of probably 12 to 15 foot of water, maybe maybe down to about 17. Um, yeah, and they were pretty tight to the bottom um, to the point where the first meter fish um, on the second weekend. I actually bumped over a couple of big rocks and I said, oh, this, this is going to happen. Oh, there's going to be a fish here and about three cranks of the handle got absolutely jammed. And sure enough, it was a metre 10 cod. Just That's crazy. How good is that? Yeah, it was incredible, incredible. Yeah, right. So that's it, interesting, eh? It's all interesting. And you reckon that putting in the hard yards of prepping the gear so it works perfectly is, is critical as well as making sure you're going out at the right times oh for sure it, it's a percentage game a hundred percent it's just a percentage game so say say just for instance you've got a 50 percent chance of catching a fish or catching a meter fish that's a pretty good pretty good odds but if you're sitting there and if someone said to you you will increase your chance of catching a meter plus cod by 10 percent if you sit down and do tackle prep for four hours and say if you've got four hours free to do it why not do it You've got that yeah. extra 10% chance of doing it. And then if you go, someone says to you then, all right, you've got 25% more chance of catching a metre plus fish 
if you go and you have a look around with the sounder and you look for bait and you look for areas to fish, you're not going to turn down another 25%, are you? You're going to go, yeah, right, I'll do it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's it's basically putting in the hard yards rather than just thinking that the, the hard yards is time on the water fishing. It's not just about on that spot casting for the, the whole, say you've got you've got two or three days you know, rather than just just smashing out casts, it's actually doing things that will put you in the game at the right period, the right time. Yeah. So generally, like when I go out now, I, I, to be honest, I I know the water that I'm going to fish. Um, yeah. I, I know it back to front, inside out, and everything. Um, so I'll go and I'll fish all that water that I'm confident with on those prime bite periods. But then as soon as it comes out of those periods. I will then put the fishing gear away and I'll go and look for areas. I'll I'll look for new areas that I haven't looked at before and like just scope areas out for other sessions down the line. Yeah, yeah, massively critical key point for for becoming a better angler is exactly what you just said and and I did the exact same thing and it makes a massive difference. So I'm really glad you actually said that. So yeah, that's that's a bit of what you've been doing. The bass, the cod, that sounds super exciting. Um, thanks heaps for those tips uh, and thanks for your tips on fishing Wyangler. Uh, I appreciate it. Thanks for joining me uh, and I'm sure I'll get you on in a heap more future episodes and um, we'll talk about so much more. All good. Always a pleasure. Cheers, Murray. Cheers. There you have it, a few words from Murray Stewart. He is a gun angler, loves his fishing and it's great to have him a part of the social fishing team. We did that trip up to Windermere through spring and and he knows his stuff and, and you can just hear the way he talks, how he talks about prepping his gear, what he does. He's an incredible angler and bloke and I really appreciate him coming on and sharing a few tips for you guys, especially for fishing this summer. I love the bass stuff and also the effort that he puts into chasing cod. So now what I want to do is just jump in and talk about um, a few of the best fishing styles that you can do this summer. I just want to briefly run across a few that hopefully you might think about giving a crack over the next couple of months. Now, the first one is chasing big cod in lakes and dams. Now, we talked about this with Murray, low light and during the night are key. So all your big dams where you're going to chase cod, Blaring, Copeton, Wyangler, all of those places, your big impoundments, you've got to fish low light. The daytime is just not worth it. You, you may you may hook one. Like I'm not going to say you're not going to catch a fish, but you've got better chance fishing the low light period, first light, last light, and throughout the night. They're the key times, and you're going to have to slog it out too. And obviously look for those key trends, as Murray said. Look out for different things happening with the weather because that will make the fish bite over another period of time. So big cod in dams, well worth fishing for January, February, you want to fish a little bit deeper. We're not fishing the shallows like we do in winter. Fishing deeper than what Murray said uh, down to 30 foot, so it's about 10 meters in the metrics. Now, I, as you'll notice, listen to this podcast, I talk in meters and, and obviously other people talk in feet. So if you do if you do normally run in feet, I apologize that I talk in meters, but you just can convert it. So you're looking at like that 10 meter mark sort of thing. And that's, I'd be fishing between that six and a half, seven meters down to 10 meters in these waterways at this time of year because the fish are holding a lot deeper. Now, another fishery is Eildon. Eildon is a great daytime fishery. So you don't actually 
fish, not you don't, but you can actually catch fish there throughout the whole day. First and last light is the best time, but because there's so much structure, the fish sit tight to all the cover and the, the shade behind all this timber and things like that, and they will feed during the day. And now that it's hot, really warm, those fish feed really well at this time of year. So through spring, as it's warming up, they're still a bit touchy, but now that it's super hot, we've had plenty of 40 high 30 degree days, the water's warm, those fish are actively feeding, looking for food and, and hitting hard. So Eildon is a great place to fish. Now, how you would fish it is fishing that three to seven meter mark and casting spinnerbaits tight to all the structure. That's your go-to, or hard bodies, casting hard bodies across all the timber, casting to structure with hard bodies, bouncing them over the timber on the on the banks, the rocky banks, the, the sloping banks that have heaps of timber. Look for spots that are in the back of like little bits in the hills. I like to call them like creek runoffs, but they're not only, they're not just creeks, where the water would run through a valley. And a lot of them are quite steep, but you'll see this in some of them, the timber is that jam-packed in the back the fish love them. They are caught in those spots. So cast just your spinnerbaits in and just let them fall down the structure and the cod will come out and smash them. Really good technique for eelden. Another place, Mawala. Now this is, we're still talking about chasing cod in lakes and dams. Mawala, great place to fish over the summer months. Now I was there not that long ago and it was actually before we had this super hot weather come through and it was still warming up. The water was still quite cool. So now the fish would be feeding even better than what they were when I was there because it was a bit of a slow start in terms of the heat to December and then it's now it's just stupidly hot and we need it to cool down. But now that it's warmer, it'll be feeding better. Mawala, we had a great trip. I actually went there working on this new project that we're working on, which is going to come out in March. Mentioned it in the last podcast. Stay tuned for more info about that. But we were there filming, creating content and fishing Mawala. Now, I was with a local, Jack Hocking, and a good mate of mine that I haven't fished with for a long time, Ryan Shoesmith. And it was tough. We had to work for the fish. Three of us casting for the day. We fished actually the afternoon before and caught nothing. We had a really bad wind. We had some shock and wind the whole time so we had to deal with wind but even with the wind we still managed to catch fish you just have to fish the correct areas now we caught six fish for the day jack caught most of the fish and he was actually casting swim baits uh, at all the structure so a different technique to something that i ever tried before using swim baits and fishing them around structure and around weed beds and in this thing that we've been working on, this new project, we're going to go right in depth uh, on how to fish Mawala properly. So to learn more about Mawala, you want to stay tuned for that. But also Mawala, other waterways as well. But it goes back to that prior podcast I did with James Dayton. We are talking about fishing over the top of the weed beds and he was talking about using the tremor over the top of the weed beds. Well, Jack was using the same technique but with swim baits, basically a similar kind of lure, he actually did get one on the tremor. Um, he got one on the tremor doing the same thing, but he got other fish uh, on big swim baits, swimming them over the top of the weed beds in like a meter of water early in the morning. And that's how he caught that big 90 centimeter cod that we put up on social media. Cracker of a fish. So Mawala, really good to fish. Early mornings are great. The nighttime top water uh, should be starting to fire. When we were there, we fished top water one night and they just didn't bite. But that's just how it goes. We didn't have crop quite the right moon um not the right weather uh and it just was still too cool the water and we just probably maybe just didn't quite luck with the spot that night or maybe the night was just not that good but now 
if you are there, well and truly worth a fish, surface lures across the top um, you know, of those weed beds in the shallow water, meter to two meters of water. Paddlers, really good, really well worth uh, a crack. Mawala is definitely worth a visit at the minute. Now, the next thing, golden perch in lakes over summer. Now, we just had that question a bit earlier about chasing golden perch and I talked about trolling for them in the dark. Now, what happens in summer to the perch is they go through their spawning in spring, they do their thing, they feed a heap and then they go off the bite to spawn and then they bite again as that water warms up. But now that the water is warmed right up, uh, the fishing for, for goldens is incredible. Now, the difference is you get a lot more schooling fish at this time of year compared to spring when you get a lot of the bigger fish on the edges. Now, you're not fishing the edges anymore. We're not casting to those edges. You, you're better off fishing deeper rocky points. They'll still be on the rocky banks, but deeper and also on the standing trees. Now, it also depends on the lake you're fishing. So, this might, some lakes, the points and the rocky banks might fish better than the trees. But in lakes that have trees, they'll be schooling in those areas. Burrenjack, for sure, Lake Eildon, the standing trees and the delatite arm, really worth a fish. If you go to the Delatite Arm in Lake Yield and find those standing trees, try and find schools of fish and roll plastics up the trees, you will find fish. Um, hop from tree to tree until you start catching them. If you don't have a sounder, just keep trying new trees until you locate them. If you've got a sounder, find them on the tree first and then do that. Now that summer's here, the warmers, the water is warmer, you will catch fish with that technique at Lake Yield and incredible fishing down there. Burrenjack, same deal, will fish really well. Lake Hume as well, you can get them in Lake Hume doing the same techniques. They will be schooled on the trees, but a lot of these fish will be smaller models. They'll be around that 40 to 50 centimeter mark, probably not even 40 to 45 centimeter mark. They'll be the smaller school fish rather than those bigger fish. When you want to, the time of year to chase trophy goldens is in spring. Come summer, you're going to have great fun chasing goldens, but you're not going to catch, constantly catch those big trophy fish. Windermere, as well as Murray said, Windermere, you'll catch fish all through summer. So if you're still in that area, there's probably a lot less people fishing it now compared to spring. Get up there and give it a crack because you'll still catch golden perch all through summer in Windermere. Now back to the cod scene, a different style of cod fishing that I like to do over summer is small creeks and, and surface fishing specifically. Not only small creeks, and but rivers as well, smaller rivers, not, not your large river and waterways, but more your smaller waterways. Now, um, surface fishing in low light periods at the, or in the dark in these small creeks is great fun. Now, I have a couple of creeks that I fish um, in the Upper Murray region and sort of throughout Victoria, uh, small streams that are too low for trout but are high enough for cod. Good fun catching cod on surface. Also, some western flowing streams and things like Old Man Creek is one that I fish quite a lot out west of Wagga. And there's also smaller creeks. Billabong Creek is another one. Um, there's a whole heap of other creeks out west. If you've got a small creek near you, hopefully it's got water in it. That's the only issue for this summer. Every other summer, surface fishing in the small creeks has been really, really good fun, especially when they have a good flow through them in winter. This year, not having any flow, they could be a bit tougher to fish. Still worth a crack. Go give them a crack. Um, you still catch fish in them. Just be wary that if, if you are struggling to catch fish, it's probably because the fish are struggling and it might not be worth fishing them. I know 
uh, Murray, I talked to um, a few weeks back. I did just interview him then, but I talked to him not long ago, and he said a lot of the waterways up his way, so central central New South Wales, are just they're just struggling. They're just there's nothing in them. Like there's it's not even worth fishing them. So if you've got like something like that around you, even in northern New South Wales or out west, a lot of the small creeks are probably not going to be fished really well at all. But if you do have a creek that has flow, surface fishing for them in the summer, I really do enjoy. But that could be a bit hit and miss depending on the creek that you pick. Now, same goes for trout in small streams. Trout in small streams, I love chasing them probably through December more so than January, February unless we've got a bit of flow. But the problem is we don't have any flow. So it is it can be a bit hit and miss as well and a lot of them are really, really warm and the fish have retreated to deeper rivers or, or sitting in deep pockets. But I know a few people have been chasing small trout in streams. The streams are still cool. They're up in the alpine regions and they're great fun. Dry flies, hoppers, stimulator patterns, um, royal wolf patterns, even running nymphs underneath them if you want. But those dry flies, just flicking them under grass tussocks and just in little runs is just a really, really good, enjoyable way to spend a day, especially up there where the the weather can be a little bit cooler um, and you can explore some country. So small trout streams are, are really worth a fish over the summer and if you're not a fly fisherman just spinning spinning with spinners spinners are the best um, or small hard bodies that look like hoppers or grasshoppers or little divers like little rainbow and brown trout pattern divers just really good really good style of fishing Um, now the other style and that's something i've been doing a little bit of lately is trout in larger rivers, so your tail race rivers that come out of impoundments. Now, that's probably one of the go-to styles of fishing that I do in the summer. So when it hits summer, I like to chase trout in these irrigation rivers. You're cutting the small creeks. Uh, I haven't done it this year though because they are quite low and also you big cod at night in the dams. But I have been leaning a bit more towards chasing the trout in, this, in these rivers because the trout are absolutely fine from the the heat doesn't affect them because the water is like 10, 11, 12 degrees, stays like that year round. The hotter, the better because it brings out all the bug activity and they feed really well. And I quite enjoy it. It's a really good visual way of fishing now. And what we do is we, it's basically on the Chumut River, now at this time of year, the river flows high. So you've got this flowing water right through the middle, really, really high, and then the edges go still. Now this happens on the Goulburn River in Victoria as well. And in the still pockets on the edges, the big browns move in there to feed all day. They swim around and look for food and eat grasshoppers off the surface and willow grubs that fall in and cicadas. So... What you can do is you can actually stalk up on them and cast hopper imitations at them and watch them eat your flies. It is incredible fun. I absolutely love this style of fishing. And I never cast a fly for for trout. I fly fish for carp as a kid, but never cast a fly for trout probably four years ago. never did it. And then ever since I've had a crack... I'm no expert at fly fishing for trout. I just do it for a bit of fun. And this backwater stuff is really simple. It's just simple bow and arrow casts. And it's basically hunting. You're basically visually stalking fish. Now, I know up north in New South Wales, and there's probably plenty of spots where you can actually surface fish for cod. But around me, that doesn't really happen. It's not very common. It's very rarely will you be able to sight fish cod. Trout, on the other hand, you can. And these rivers are so clear, and the trout just have so much confidence and come out and feed that it's basically it's as visual as you can get and i 
that's what I love about it. It's the visual aspect of being able to sight fish these fish, you know, stalk in on them, spot them from a while away and try and get in there and get a cast in and present your fly correctly, watch them eat it. And then this intense battle right in under the willows and under the trees and the sticks. It just doesn't get much better. And I really do enjoy it to beat the heat in the summer. Now, I actually went out two days ago and did this with a good mate of mine. Uh, and we, we floated down. Now, he he's just getting into fly fishing. Uh, he, he'd never caught a trout on fly up until last week. He finally got his first trout fly set up, went up the mountains, caught two little ones. Never done it before and managed to catch fish. So it's, it's not that difficult. And then basically he wanted to do this backwater stuff. So I took him out and we did a backwater session on the tumut. Now, it is very tough because there's a lot of smoke around at the minute. And, and what you want is you want the bright sunny days because the sunnier it is, it highlights the water and the trout are easier to spot. So we actually lucked the day two days ago. It was actually the clearest day we've had in about three or four weeks and the smoke wasn't too bad. And we managed four really nice fish in the backwaters. And, and it's hard work. It was hot, 40 degrees, but you've got the river there. You can go for a swim. It cools you right down. And then you're basically stalking. You're hunting. You're, you're going along the edge. You're looking for fish. You're spotting them. And this is where your sunnies, your polarized sunnies are so important. You spot the fish you got to try and wait for them to not see you turn around. you got to get in there. And it was just awesome fun. The first fish we found um, pretty early on, and we pulled into this spot. And I said to, I was with Ryan, it was Ryan the mate um, that I fished with, my whaler as well. And he I pulled in, he'd never caught one on. And the goal was to get him a nice 50 centimeter odd, you know, size brown from sight fished in the Tumut River. And we pulled into this spot and I said, we saw one here a couple of weeks ago. We're standing and having a look, and we're, we're in the shadows of the trees, so so we wouldn't spook the fish. And without like within ten seconds, this brown cruised right in front of us, right in front. Of, we're, we're we're probably we're up on the bank behind, you know, some the top of the rocks. We're we're a little bit back, but right at our feet, like in front of us, about a foot off the bank, this quality brown just cruised past from under the tussocks and there was a little opening we could see and cruised along and straight away it's like instinct hunt mode i'm like right ryan get down get down you know let's let's just watch him and he turned around he went back up and then when he disappeared i'm like right oh now come in close get ready you know load your rod we're bow and arrow casting so you hold the rod out and hold the fly just in your hand and load the rod and we're just waiting and waiting and waiting i reckon we waited for a good six or seven minutes and didn't see him again normally they come back we want to do is wait for him to come back, bow and arrow, this little hopper imitation right in front of him, and he should eat it. I hadn't seen him. I thought, right, I'll go have a look. And I walked up the bank and stood in the next shadow of a tree. And I'm looking, and I'm looking, and it was just this real bad overhang. So I didn't know where the fish was, couldn't really see him. And I didn't want to walk up there and spook him with my shadow. So I came back, and I was like, nah, we'll just wait a little bit longer. And within two minutes, I was like, yep, he's coming, he's coming. And Ryan's loaded. Like, this is his first time doing this, his first chance at a fish. And we were lucky. We are in an open spot. And I'm like, are you ready? And I'm like, wait, wait. And he couldn't see it. I was in a different angle, so I could I could see him. He was down low, ready to cast. Like, he's coming, he's coming. I'm like, righto, now. And he's laid the cast out, and it's just landed right in front of this trout, about a foot and a half in front. And he's just turned, changed his direction of swimming, he's cruised up ever so slowly, a lot of the times they'll come up and smash him pretty hard, but it cruised up, and we're both just eyeballing this fish, and he's come up and he's paused, and it felt like an eternity, and he just, just sipped in the hopper, sipped it in, Ryan struck, and this fish just went mental, I just jumped in the water, had the net ready, and he just took off, and 
incredible fight and he just landed this quality brown it went 49 centimeters probably about three pound and you know it just made his made his day he his goal was to just get one and that's what i love about fishing is taking other people fishing for the first time and catching them and watching them catch a fish and get so excited and that's what i love about social fishing and the podcast is not that i can see you guys out there catching fish but i get messages from you guys saying oh we got this based on the technique we learned something that you talked about in the podcast and we caught these fish thanks heaps that is the whole purpose of this and that is what i love the most i much prefer that to happen and to see mates catch fish than to even catch them myself so just that was just a little touch on these larger rivers, these fly fishing. Just a little bit of a story from the day how it sort of unfolds, and then you land the fish and it goes mental, and you got to try and scoop it before it gets off. But yeah, that's basically what that style of fishing is. And if you if you do want to see more of it, just just jump on the social fishing website, go to our tutorials, have a look at the complete guide, and scroll through and find the trout. Uh, on fly series trout on fly in the complete guide just watch the trailer and you'll see a heap of backwater action from the tumor river that we filmed in in the trailer have a look and see what you think and obviously if you want to learn more about that style of fishing you can check out the full series but that's one style of fishing that i love at this time of year another species we can target is bass obviously bass become extremely active over summer as as murray just said like in the impoundments they feed really really well and obviously in the creeks and streams now is the time to go bass fishing so if you're thinking of going and chasing bass going to explore a stream or fishing an impoundment go do that now they'll actively hit surface lures now especially low light just one thing though be careful because uh, the south coast has those big fires so you know that a lot of that area is burnt out i know one of those big fires is bordering brogo dam at the minute and you know that's a good bass sort of area down there so do be careful maybe wait until these fires settle down and it's probably worth fishing away from the fires because i'm not sure what impact the fires will have on the waterways i know with trout it affects them quite a lot um some fires went through victoria years and years ago and the the fish are struggling, but in other streams, they're not. They come back, so I'm not sure how they affect the bass, but that's also another style of fishing. And one other thing that you can do over summer, which I love, it's awesome fun, is carp on fly, or plastics, that is. Chasing carp in you know your rivers, now that it's low, all the rivers and creeks are low, there should be carp everywhere, and they should be super easy to catch. Not easy, but relatively easy to catch, relatively easy to present a fly or a plastic to while they suck around on the bottom and what they do and they're, they're great fun absolutely awesome fun you cast a little woolly bugger in front of them which is a fly twitch 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 they'll suck it in and then the fight is just insane absolutely insane they just fight so hard we were even on the tumut river and there's a heap of carp and the, the trout were a bit slow and i almost thought oh, i'll just chase carp but i actually didn't have any of the woolly buggers on me but i was going to chase them just to have just one take and one wicked fight probably get busted off but you know just have a bit of fun so carp on flies is something else you can do too is a great bit of fun and one last thing i just want to touch on over the christmas break i was actually fishing out west between carathul and hay over christmas and i fished early and late on three occasions so i fished christmas afternoon boxing day morning and boxing day afternoon now i fished for two hours each time so right on so from seven till nine and then in the morning it was from i think it was 6 30 till about nine o'clock ten o'clock um and the fishing was really really good um the river was at a nice height it wasn't super low it had a bit of flow the water was really really warm but 
When the water's warm and in the summer, the fish still need to feed. They're lethargic during the middle of the day, but they feed late and early. So if you do happen to fish on any of those rivers, the Bidgee, the Murray, uh, any smaller waterways, I know a lot of them are really quite empty, but if they're not and they've got a little bit of water in them, fishing late and early are the prime times. I managed to nail a 70-centimeter cod on Christmas Day. It's the first time I fished Christmas. I was actually I was pumped. I got a cod on Christmas. It was the best present I could get. Just being on the water with family, um, having a bit of a fish. Didn't actually film. That was just one of the times I didn't film. Just enjoyed it caught this cracker of a cod, hit me that hard and he come off a root ball. So this log, big log running straight out in the river. It's a log that you expect to get a good fish off. I actually expected him to be bigger when he hit. I thought he was a lot bigger. Uh, current was flowing directly onto the front of the log. Cast his spinnerbait and it basically slid under the log like the cast was on the root ball, like right in the hole, clicked it in the gear and it basically sunk for about half a second and just got absolutely jammed. The fish inhaled it and went that hard and because there was a little bit of flow, um, he felt really, really good. I was expecting more like 80 or 90, but you know, he's, he's good fight, come up, he's 70 centimeter fish, really nice, healthy cod uh, and it's good to see some healthy cod out that way, especially because they've had low flows for the last four years um, and it's good to see a little bit of a flow through there at the minute. I think it's actually a bit of uh, environmental water or a bit of a flush that went through which is what the fish actually needed uh, with everything going on so yeah that was a really nice fish um, and I managed to get a couple of others the rest of them were small but got them on hard bodies and spinnerbaits um, didn't manage any on surface but that's just another option for people if you're keen to go for a fish is you know the Bidgee out west you know good spot to fish but obviously I, di I didn't fish in the middle of the day at all so we just avoided the heat and just fished those low light periods because those days were 38 and nearly 40 degrees so afternoons they the fish fire right up and obviously in the morning they fire right up and then in the middle of the day they slow right down so that's just a bit of a summary of the fishing styles that you can do this summer now we didn't go into grave detail on anything. Uh, that chat with Murray was really interesting. I uh, hope you learned something there. But it's just a, just a quick episode or just an episode to give you a summary of different fishing styles that you can do over the next few months. We're going to have more episodes coming to you very soon with uh, different anglers. I'm going to get back into some more interviews with anglers so we can share you know, knowledge, what they know. They can talk about things that they've learned over their lifetime and share them with you. I've also got an episode teed up very soon with Chris. Uh, we were going to talk about a specific topic. But yeah, I really hope you enjoyed that. As always, make sure you just like the podcast. If you listen to it on the podcast apps, give it a review. Send us through comments. The more comments we get, the better. Send through listener questions. If you have a question that you want us to answer, you, you heard me answer a few at the start of this episode, send them through. The more questions, the better. I love getting questions from you guys so that we can answer them to help you out on the water. As always, guys, I really appreciate you tuning in and listening to the podcast. Also, we had a few uh, listener questions come through from anglers that are just asking or mentioning a few recommendations of people they would like us to interview. If you too want us to interview anyone specifically, send them through. We would love to hear who you want us to talk to and we'll try our best to get in contact with them and interview them. Now, that's it for this episode, guys. Just one more thing I just do want to mention again is that Freshwater Mini Series. If this is the first time you've heard me talk about the freshwater mini series jump on and check it out it's on the website it's free just you got to punch in your email and your name and you'll get access to a four-part series 
cod, golden perch, trout. The golden perch one is on its way still, but the cod one and the trout one are there and you will learn plenty from the series. Once again, guys, thank you for joining me. And again, the fires are really bad. So everyone stay safe and stay away from the fires. Be safe. Don't go fishing anywhere near them. Just keep away from them and fish in areas away from the fires look after yourself look after your family and i hope everyone stays safe and on a fishing side of things make sure you guys get out there and have a crack this summer enjoy the warm weather try and stay away from that super super hot weather fish late and early in the morning and i'll be talking to you very soon in the next podcast guys so get out there and catch some big fish 